Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you heard me say, one of my favorite unions, one I was a member of, one that I was building with. And this is not the first time we broached this subject. Uh, what are we going to do about our schools? Uh, what is taking place? How can you and I help? So here, once again, today, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, our dear friend and comrade, Randy Weingarten. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm good, Mark. I'm good, Rev. I love calling you Rev. I often say, um, because thank God, Everyone, you know, in my circle right now is okay. So I often say that I am pandemic fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, clearly, you know, I worry about the health of not only of our nation, um, but I worry about the social, emotional well-being of the kids in America, particularly our black and brown kids and our kids who are vulnerable. And I worry about, you know, how unsustainable the you know job of teaching and learning has been this year, and yet how educators, because none of us have a magic wand against the pandemic, um, get the brunt of blame for essentially making sure that you know their workplaces and students' um, learning conditions are safe. Well, let's start this. What do we know? Has there been any research or any studies about? the impact this is having on our school children um, with everything being the way it's been? So there's lots of, you know, there's lots of um, studies that take bites at this. But at the end of the day, just intuitively, think about it. We have basically had a year of physical distancing, of social isolation. And that is taken a year out 
of the normal childhood development of children and young adults. So, you know, any, so frankly, any study that minimizes that is not, is, is not helpful. We know that this means, you know, that, that people have been, you know, severely affected by it. And that's part of the reason that since last April, we've tried to reopen in-school learning, figure out the ways to do it. And frankly, now, most of the locals that I represent, we represent people in about 3,000 places across America. They are all open, or they are virtually all either open for in-school learning, or they will be open sometime in April. That's really good news. But that's the status, that's getting to the status quo or getting just to that point is not enough. What we need to do is we need to actually figure out almost individually where kids are and we need to meet their emotional, social, and academic needs. So this summer and the next school year are going to be really important for us getting kids' resilience back, for us getting relationships going again, for us really developing the muscle of social interaction, not simply the muscle of academic recovery. So how would AFP propose um, starting or engaging that process, especially on the emotional social health. What would you like to see done? What would you like to see the Biden administration do? So the first thing, the, the Biden administration has actually been, you know, absolutely terrific. And, and you know, we have quibbles at different places. So, you know, the, you'll, you'll, and, and the press often puts a microscope on the, the differences as opposed to the similarities. This is what I mean. We begged the Trump administration when we saw this pandemic, we begged them for safety guidance so that you could actually make workplaces safe and learning places safe in the middle of a pandemic. We begged them for resources, including emotional and social resources, so you could start this work with kids, this kind of resilience work. And we begged them for data so that everything was not anecdotal. They basically said no to all three. We saw what they did with the CDC. We didn't get any resources to December, on and on and on. All of this, and, and we're using a private sector data outfit called Burbio to actually figure out what schools are open and what schools, or what schools are open for in-person or not. Pretty embarrassing for the national government. So the Biden administration, in 60, 70 days has changed all that. You know, the CDC put its first guidance out um, beginning middle of February, like two weeks after they got in. They've, you know, um, they, and they keep on, it keeps on evolving. The We just got the American Rescue Plan that has lots of money devoted to all the kinds of things that we need for rescue and recovery. Um, and now it's frankly up to us and this is going to take collaboration with school districts. It's it's not, you know, the boss knows best. To really shape program, systemic program, not ad hockey program around what we need to do. So New York City 
Michael Mulgrew has come up with a very good idea about how to deal with um, intervention, have intervention teams at um, most of the schools try to figure out where kids are academically then um, and, and, and lower class size in, in the, you know, in, in the places that have been worse hit um, and then have um, a few other ideas. What we're talking about nationally is something that um, Jeff Canada did with Promise Neighborhoods. We've done with community schools around the country, and that is create a community school in a lot of places, wrap services around the school, meaning guidance services, nurse, um, you know, social work services, have after school enrichment so that you also wrap tutoring around the school, wrap some family engagement around the school. And, and then what happens is that the school becomes kind of a, a full service place so that we're meeting the academic, the social, the emotional needs of kids. <clears throat> and that's what we're pushing. Um, in terms of the use of this money. And then the other piece we're pushing right now is to, you know, um, parents with means, they'll, they're going to send their kids if they can to summer camp or to have an enrichment kind of situation for their kids. We need to do that for all kids. So when we talk about summer school this year, we're talking about, I am pushing very hard on enrichment, on joy, on creating resilience again, on get on kids getting their mojo back again, because if kids feel confident in themselves, then the pathways to teaching and learning are going to be, um, you know, much more open um, than if kids feel bad about things. And so the last thing I'll say is, you haven't heard the word learning loss come out of my mouth until right now, because. This pandemic was not the fault of children. It was not the fault of teachers. In fact, the only person you could actually fault was you could say that Donald Trump, by abandoning the attempt to recover, um, we, it's taken us much longer to get out of it than not. But, but, but the, um, or abandoning the attempt to fight it. So, so we can't talk about the, recovery in terms of a deficit model. It's we have to think about the next, the summer and the next year as how we help kids recover and bounce back. Not all of a sudden there's going to be a magic wand and in three days in in in-school learning, they're going to bounce back from a year of this. We have to think about how this summer and this coming year becomes an escalator, an accelerator on all of these issues. And that's what my union and, and my members are, you know, trying to plan for in terms of the summer and school. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Because it's really, think that this is all itself in days or even months. So I, I like that. That's very comforting to hear. Have you been comfortable with educators having access to the vaccine and, and that rolling out in the best possible way? Are you comfortable with that? As there has been more and more vaccine availability, the commitment to prioritize essential workers, including obviously the commitment to prioritize educators, um, is really coming to fruition. And so we're very grateful 
that um, Joe Biden made that commitment. But the CDC, we worked very hard last year to convince the CDC, you know, we testified, we did all the stuff you're supposed to do about how important it was to have healthcare workers, nursing homes, and then essential workers, other essential workers, including grocery store workers and teachers, be in this 1A and 1B category. Um, and you could see a sea change, Mark, from the last administration to this administration in going from the rhetoric to the reality. Um, so, you know, some places, let me just shout them out, some places, you know, did it on their own, meaning um, Mayor Bowser in D.C. understood the importance of the vaccines as the third piece of the stool to reopen schools safely. The mitigation, mitigating strategies of, you know, layered mitigation like masking and ventilation and physical distancing. Um, the testing, which is how the NFL and others were able not only to open, but to stay open because so much of this virus is spread asymptomatically, including the new variants. And then vaccine access, um, which, which basically meant that if you got the vaccine, you're not going to get sick or very sick anymore and you're not going to die. And that was, and so, so that became, those three things became the roadmap to reopen in-person instruction. And what's happened is we're, we're out in the field again with another poll. Um, but even as early as the beginning, you know, the beginning of February, we were seeing about um, 20% of our members had gotten the vaccine, 70% of them wanted it, which was really great news. And so we are, we are hearing anecdotally all over that we're at 50 or 60% right now, but we're, you know, we're going to get some more data to see if that's real. The, the federal, so, so, you know, some places like LA, New York City, DC stood up their own vaccination program. Um, meaning when I say New York City, I'm talking about the teachers union, not Mayor de Blasio. The teachers union worked with the governor, stood up a vaccine program for educators, including our Paris support personnel. L.A. has this big, these big stadiums where you kind of, you know, you know, drive in. L.A. is such a driving town. You drive in, you know, you get your vaccine in your arm, then you stay in a parking lot for a little while. Um, but the 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 pharmacy program has been really terrific as well, and um, and I think that the Biden administration should get a lot of credit in the negotiation of supply and in getting that supply to states and in getting that sh those shots in the arms. And you know, I give them a lot of credit for that. More MIP after this message. You mentioned the schools ultimately, which I also think is ideal, being sort of a, a, a one-stop shop for a lot of these matters. I mean, eventually, more children are going to be vaccinated too. And you and I t talked about this some time ago. Do you envision ultimately that um, the schools themselves may be sites down? They should. I mean, the schools should be sites. You know, we know, and, and look, we need vaccinators. You know, we have school nurses, but we need vaccinators. And because of the needs to keep, you know, Moderna and Pfizer so cold, you got to actually 
you, you know, you can't use a school refrigerator or a school freezer. You have to have the process to do it. But I, you know, we used to do this in schools. We used to have, you know, the polio vaccine used to be given in schools like on a Saturday or a Sunday. And I do think more and more we should be thinking about how schools center communities because schools, the focus of schools are children and families. So if we think about schools as the center of the recovery, then ultimately I think we are focused on the family, on the child, on the family, on educators, on support personnel. And that's going to be more of a circle of um, revival um, than any other circle. We know the, the only other places that play these roles are, you know, our faith community, churches, synagogues, and, and things like that. So thinking about how we center revival and, and, and revitalization and recovery, that has to be um, the work right now. Other than that, you know, what you're asking parents to do in the middle of two or three jobs is to get on the phone for hours and hours trying to figure out where a vaccine site is or trying to figure out what to do to help their child center it in the school where the child is. That's and, and that's the theory of promised neighborhoods, and that's the theory of community schools, and that's part of the reason why Jeff Cannon and I did an op-ed together in the Daily News a couple of weeks ago on this. I saw that, and that in and of itself was uh, extraordinary. <laughs> but, I mean, it speaks to, I guess, the moment and the urgency of the moment. Tell us a little bit more about how that even came about and just how important that is for the two organizations to come together around so, you know, it, it goes back to, uh, so first, it just came about, Mark, because the two of us are talking and talking about kids and talking particularly about black and brown kids and talking about vulnerable kids and talking about kids who are English language learners. And how do we make sure that, that we are actually reaching? Um, how do we make the issue of excellence and equity real? And, and, you know, and, and so, Ultimately, you know, we started, we, we said, why don't we do something together on an op-ed? He's done so many. It's not, you know, everybody knows Jeff from Waiting for Superman, and they know him from the charter schools. But the idea about how you center on whole, you know, on the whole child and address well-being first and foremost, and how you support educators to do this. This is what the key of promised neighborhoods were, and this is what the key of 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 um, you know of community schools. So we just said, let's write something together, and and that's what we did. But it gets to the bigger point, I think, of this. You have two strategies that have always happened in America. You have the pull apart, the chaos, the division, the fear of the other, and you have the, we're all in this together. And what Trump did was he was an evil genius on the chaos, polarization, pull apart, exploiting white grievance. And what many of us 
are trying to do, this is what education is about, is how do we celebrate diversity? How do we not fear each other, but take the best? And how do we make sure we are equitable so that we have a ladder of opportunity through a lens of justice so that everybody can thrive? It's not that, you know, most people want the next generation, want their kids to do better than they have done. But that takes a ladder of opportunity. And it's not a hand up to a hand out to get up that ladder. Sometimes it takes a hand up. And so this kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps, which is, you know, what this vision of, you know, I was poor, now I'm rich, and I'm going to pull the ladder up from after me because I don't want anybody else to get to where I am. That's crap. What we need to do in America is we need to make sure that people have a level playing field so that they can succeed for themselves and their family. Everyone wants the freedom to thrive. We have to create the conditions to do that. And that's part of voting. That's part of what unions do in terms of helping people have a voice and at work and have some power at work to increase their wages. And that's what public education is, pre-K through college. And I think that, 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 that Jeff and I, you know, in, in, in really actually have that belief system, but we have to pull together and we have to get out of this crisis together. I, I, I would agree. Uh, lastly, Randy, you know, I've been saying that we've really in the past year been suffering under three plagues, the pandemic, uh, and these all affect our children as well and their emotional health. Uh, the pandemic, the police-demic with police violence. And now we're seeing back um, in, in full view once again, the, the pistol-demic of gun violence, so to speak. And Lord knows, even though these most recent incidents did not happen in schools, we know how often it does happen in schools and how triggering these types of events can be for our young people. So I would imagine when, when, when we're looking at, you know, as you said, the, the long term lens of making our kids whole again in schools, that you would also include some of those other issues, especially mm -hmm. the issue of gun violence. Right. Because now absolutely you know, kids at home. We, 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 we're, we're, we're not in a social environment. We're, we're not in place anymore. Everything's weird and strange. And then folks are still out here shooting folk up. It's So I would actually even go, I would actually layer something onto that, um, Mark, which is I think we're in the middle of five crises that are all interlocking. It's COVID. It's the economic um, disparities that have happened as a result of that. It's the hate and the disinformation that leads to this kind of fear of the other that you see in policing and that you see in the Asian hate that we've been seeing. And unfortunately, it's also climate and the issue about the big lie and civics. So, and what has happened, unfortunately, in our society is Words, because of the availability of guns, hate then is not just words spit at people, but hate then becomes the gun violence and the, and, and, and things like that. So all of this we have to actually deal with 
in terms of schools, respecting differences. I mean, it sounds a little kitschy, but if we, we, we have to find ways to teach young adults how differences don't become hate, incitement, and violence. And, and so, so all of that, you're absolutely right that it all hits the classroom door. Teachers have to deal with all of it. We have, we have to stop pretending that all we're dealing with is math and English and then a test score. We have to actually really rethink accountability issues because if we don't center education on the whole child and, and, and help them become critical thinkers and, and, and create a, a sense that you can get through anger and, and trauma, um, without resorting to violence. Think about this kid in Boulder, Colorado. Right. No shock that he had mental health issues, but we can't make guns so available that that gets that his issues then become the murder of 10 people. I'm glad you included this information too, because let's face it, our young people are most susceptible because they are the ones who are front facing on all of these social media platforms. And that's where disinformation is targeted. So again, folks, Randy Weingarten is right. Our schools ultimately have to deal with all of these issues and best to be prepared, best to know how, best to anticipate and have a plan rather than all of us just fly by the seat of our pants. And of course, that's what AFT is doing. That's what it's always done uh, with all of its members and, and chapters and branches. And, and now um, working in solidarity with the Harlem Children's Zone and Jeffrey Canada, I think I think that's the good way to go. This is this is urgent. Uh, and it has to be dealt with. Randy, we always appreciate you joining us and appreciate as well uh, all of the um, the hard work you've been doing. I've been watching some of the other events you've been a part of, and you have been a, a critical voice uh, in all of this. And and again, and again, I want to commend you what you said. I mean, I hope you all heard, Randy. This is not, there's no overnight piece to this. We are not fully out of this yet, and we don't know the long-term impact on our young people. So we better have a long-term um, response to it. Real quick before I forget, uh, as we go, the um, the summer session piece. So how uh, um, how many jurisdictions are, are really trying to ramp up the summer session? Is that is it too early to talk about that? Or? No, it's not. And frankly, one of the things that, you know, that concerns me about some of the current debate is that, you know, a Wall Street Journal or, you know, David Brooks, they'll say, okay, we're done once you reopen schools four or five days a week. That is a start. That's not a done. And we're, so with the, that's why I'm saying that this is really summer through next year, really thinking this through so that we help the kids. Um, so the American Rescue Plan Joe Biden's rescue plan put a lot of money forward for learning recovery, including summer and after school programs. And the um, there was just a summit yesterday. You can see it on YouTube that the education department, uh, Car Dr. Cardona and Dr. Walensky did. And they put out 81 billion 
of the $122 billion that goes to public schools, they put that out, including summer money for summer. So anybody who's watching this, it's available for districts all across the country. New York City is going to do summer program, a bigger summer program than it's ever done before. It's going to try to do it, obviously, in person. Misha Porter and um, Michael Mulgrew and the Principals Union are already starting to plan what to do. But it's really going to be about enrichment and fun and joy. And that's what we've tried to get people to do. The, the worst thing to do is you don't want to then have kids isolated by themselves with tutors this summer after they've been isolated by themselves for this whole last year. Yeah. And, and, and so it is, uh, it's very different. What we're, we're pushing for is very different than what a Michael Bloomberg, you know, said in an op-ed in the Washington Post. You're not going to make up academically by just having tutoring. You gotta actually go and center on the whole child and have kids have fun again and feel a sense of joy and a sense of the future is in front of them. Yeah, yeah. You've always um, emphasized, you know, the in-person learning, the the, the human interaction. Uh, and I thought about you as we go. I uh, interviewed some of the college presidents during this ordeal, and they were saying how the virtual platforms in some schools, some colleges, have actually increased enrollment. Yeah. Uh, but even they said, they said, Mark, but be, be clear, there still is no substitute for the in-person learning and human interaction. So people shouldn't get comfortable and think we're just going to be online uh, here right. before and forevermore. Uh, and what Randy's saying is important, folks. And a lot of us as adults, be, look at yourself, y'all. You all know how many of you have had Zoom fatigue and all of that. So imagine a child. Imagine that. And lastly, um, uh, folks, we can't trust educators with our children uh, seven, eight hours a day. And then not trust them when it comes to planning long term and foreseeing and, and really coming up with uh, comprehensive agendas to address this. We can't trust them less than we do the politicians. We need to listen to them. So we need to listen to Randy Weingarten. We need, we need to listen to AFT. We need to listen to Michael Mulgrew here in New York and others. Uh, so if we can trust them to teach our children. We ought to trust them and defer to them when it comes to making some of these plans. So. That's what I'm about. All of you should be about that. Folks, uh, keep in touch with AFT. Get involved in your local community and be informed about what's going on with uh, the schools, even if you don't have a child in public school, because that affects you, too. All right. These are these are our neighbors. These are other parents. This is a whole family piece. And I appreciate the holistic approach for AFT. Thank you, Randy, as always. OK, thank you, Mark. Be safe. Be well. All right. And everybody, when you can, get your vaccine. When yes. it's your time, get your vaccine. That's right. It's, a, it's definitely a sea change. Yeah. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.